2 Timothy 2, 16, 16 through 19, if you'll turn there. I have been wanting to bring this message to you for a long time, and I'm really excited. It's, we're not going to get it all out today, but I just want to kind of lay one point down this morning. Um, the name of the message is Nevertheless. And I'm going to be honest with you, a number of years ago, I read a little book from one of my number one top favorite authors, um, and um, Mark Rutland, Dr. Mark Rutland, some of you may know who he is, um, just a great, brilliant man of God, and he wrote this book called Nevertheless. It really spoke to me, and I thought, oh, how I would love to share these great, empowering weapons and tools with our congregation. That's been a number of years, so, and I've reread it a number of times. So this morning, I'm just going to go for it and share with you the blessings that uh, I got out of that book, nevertheless. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. Paul is writing to Timothy. Um, Timothy is a pastor. He's a church planter along with Paul. And so as they're corresponding, the first and second letter to Timothy are instructional letters to, to a pastor. And Timothy was pastoring the church at Ephesus, a great church, a church that was, had some depth to it, and a church that was planted in a city filled with a mixed bag of uh, religious orientations and demonic influences and just a, just a cultural uh, carnival of a city, if you will. And so Timothy's pastoring that church there and um, also want to just mention to you that not only in Ephesus, but almost everywhere that Paul went and planted churches, the enemy would follow up and using teachers and, and uh, believers that would make themselves available to Satan, uh, he would immediately go to work to attack the church and sow confusing messages and uh, heresies and, and just goofy things into the body. Um, so the, the New Testament church is filled with power as it was. It was in, in a constant state of turmoil, having to defend itself, not necessarily from the, uh, the empire of darkness without, but, but more importantly, from the intrusions of the enemy within. And this little section of Scripture I'm going to read to you addresses that exact situation. Verse 16. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal that the Lord knows those that are his. So Paul is warning Pastor Timothy about the professional poisoners who've mastered Satan's debate tactic that he used on Eve in the garden, and it's his number one weapon. It's so effective, he, he uses it all the time. And he's always trying to find people that he could train to use this debate tactic when he had said to Eve, has God really said? Challenging the truth of God. And so he's, he's writing about these, these professional poisoners. 
um, who, who have created what I would call an intellectual kill box. And they lure Christians into it. And once they get you in the kill box, it's designed to defeat Christians. Its walls, its perimeter, are built up with arguments and rationalizations and intellectual ideas that have no way of being overturned by the truth if you stay in that, that debate box. And that's why it's called a kill box. And so he's, he's warning. He's warning him and he says, avoid, stay away from this empty chatter because it's only going to create a gangrene that will bring rotten disease into the church. We live in a liar's world. Satan's better at destroying than we are at defending. The confuser has captured the class and he's shredding our beliefs. Demons own the dictionary and they control the discussions. What's your response when perverse intellect and education and talent lord over you with their condescending put-downs? When you realize that you're in Satan's territory, what can you say when you know that God exists and yet because you're so surrounded and overwhelmed that the circumstances have become your reality while God's promises seem like a distant fantasy? What can you say when you know that they're wrong but you can't seem to counter their arguments against you, or mount a defense, or bring forth a convincing rebuttal. It's like you're in a game that there is no end zone. You can't get the ball across the end zone because there isn't one. You're in an intellectual kill box. And Satan has always sought to put God's people there. He gets them on his playing field in his territory, and then he grinds them down with confusion. When you realize that we live in a liar's world, what's your answer when there is no answer? Christians think we always have an answer. Jesus is the answer. But anyone who's actually been in the fight of faith knows that you can be standing in a place where there is no answer. You can be in a situation where there is no response. The oxygen just goes out of you. The words are vaporized in your mind, and you've got nothing to say. And like circling hyenas, the thoughts of the world and its people and the deceived circle you and finish you off. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal that the Lord knows those who are His. God has furnished you with a verbal access code. When you're stuck in the law of sin and death on their playing field and you can't find a way out, nevertheless, is a key to a passageway to a door. Glory to God. It leads to the passage out of the law of sin and death 
and into the law of the spirit of life in Christ. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It unlocks that passageway between the world of limitation, deception, and defeat and into his wonderful kingdom of truth, freedom, and miracles. The word nevertheless, it's, it's a conjunctive verb, kind of a modifier, if you will. And it's used to combine two opposing sets of facts in the same sentence, minimizing the claims of the first set of facts by choosing the superior reality of the second set of facts. Blah, blah, blah. There's the problem. Nevertheless, that's the pivot point. Nevertheless, Paul writes, the foundation of God stands sure. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. In other words, regardless of all the facts that have beaten me down and surrounded me, I pivot to the higher fact. How can I make that pivot? How can I get out of this place and into the place that I love, the place where I know truth prevails? Nevertheless, learn that word. This whole message and the messages I'm going to share in the, in the coming couple services are about and built around that one word, nevertheless. God's most potent and powerful rebuttals of resurrection and life and victory over the defeat of the enemy are always distilled down into the most economic of weapons, the little short sword, the pistol you can pull out and quickly get the enemy off of you. Nevertheless, it's a word of authority. It's an exercise of the will. Learn it and learn to use it. Nevertheless is a verbal fulcrum upon which the reality of the law of sin and death bends the reality of the law, uh, 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 bends to the reality of the law of the spirit of life in Christ. It is the pivot point. Nevertheless, ends the mental turbulence. Nevertheless, brushes aside the fraudulent facts masquerading as truth and as reality and pivots to the truths that cannot be diminished by any opposing facts, opinions, or objections from anyone. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those that are his. Notice that the word nevertheless is not a door that opens into nothing. It's not a door that opens into a brick wall or opens into more confusion. On the other side of the door of nevertheless stands the eternal reality of the living God where no opposing opinions have any hope of amending or changing the outcome of the promises of God. On the other side of this door, the foundation of God stands firm. Having this seal, God knows those that are His. That phrase, the Lord knows, the Lord knows, that, that's, that's your debate bunker buster. How, who here knows what a bunker buster is? Maybe during the Iraq war, you remember they had that incredible weapon in, in Afghanistan. I was like, 
take it to the eastern mountain range, use that thing. It's a bomb that they could drop from a certain altitude. And it bores into the earth, deep into the earth. And it explodes with a subterranean explosion that literally causes an underground earthquake and collapse and kills everything within its perimeter. One bump, and they're done. Bunker buster. The Lord knows. That phrase is your debate bunker buster. When you're overwhelmed and surrounded by people half your age with education degrees and intimidating language and nomenclature, and you don't even know what they're talking about, but you just know that they've condescended to you and taken away all of your confidence, and you look like a fool. You have a debate bunker buster. Don't be ashamed. Whip it out. Use it. The Lord knows. Nevertheless, the Lord knows. Hallelujah. Why is that a bunker buster? Because after you say, nevertheless, what comes next blows away every lie and deception of the enemy. There is no defense against the Lord knows. Why? Because there is a Lord, and he does know. Somebody say, praise God. Hallelujah. Don't run with your tail between your legs back to your bedroom and fall on your bed crying. Stand up in the midst of the debate. Nevertheless, the Lord knows those that are his. Declare it and decree it because when you lay that marker down, God will show up. The reason we don't see the miracles of the deliverance is because we run back into our churches and we go into our prayer mode. Prayer's wonderful, but not everything is accomplished by prayer. It's great to pray, but then you've got to fight the fight of faith. Then you have got to stand before the darkness. Then you have to surround Gaza and move in and destroy the enemy. You just can't sit there and pray all day long. Somebody say amen. amen. Use that bunker buster, honey. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. Next time, next time Satan tries to bar your access to the throne of grace, next time he gets you into a personal bind, next time he's got you tied up and your family, your friends, your loved ones, maybe people around you don't even know what you're going through, but inside there is a turmoil and your faith is being bruised and being beaten up. You're not doing well. Next time he is trying to chain and bar your access to God's throne of grace, immobilizing you with accusations, hissing hopelessness into your ears until all of your arguments and explanations have vanished and turned to dust and been blown away. The next time Satan backs you up against the wall and taunts you with, God is not going to see you now. He's busy. God is not going to hear you now. For some reason, you have put yourself out of favor from him. The next time he's got you up against the wall with that taunt, and he says, what do you say for yourself? Remember your nevertheless access code and cram it down his throat. Because what I know 
I may not know how to answer all your crazy arguments. I may not know how to explain all your irrational rationalizations. I realize I am living in a liar's world. It favors the lie. It cultivates the lie. It's designed since the fall for lies to succeed, prevail, rule, and reign. We are in insurgency of light and of truth. When you realize that you're in a liar's world, hallelujah, nevertheless, you've got that access code. And you have no answer for what you are being challenged with. There isn't an answer, not one that will work in that environment. What do you answer when there is no answer? <coughs> nevertheless, God knows. I may not know your answer, but I know the answer. And I know that God knows. And that's all I need to know. I know that God knows. That's my bunker buster. That is my access. Hallelujah. I know that God knows. Nevertheless, the firm foundation stands firm having this seal. A seal is a lock that cannot be broken. The firm foundation cannot be broken into, cannot be dismantled, it cannot be breached. It is firmly sealed with the fact the Lord knows. There is a God on the other side of my prayer. There is a God on the other side of my confession. There is a God on the other side of what I know who knows me. Did you hear what I just said? There is a God on the other side of my knowing who's knowing me back. He knows my name. He knows me. He knows where I am. Hallelujah. I know that God knows. That's what I know. And what he knows, he knows those that are his. Nevertheless, it's a conversational act of authority from the mouths of those who truly know what God knows. There are some things that you may not be able to remember in the heat of a battle, of a confrontation, of a trial. But the one thing deep down in your heart that you must always keep at hand's reach must always be there. It must always be ready to be drawn out. That conversational act of authority that says, I know what God knows. I know my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. And I know that He knows those that are His. So when the devil has you hemmed in and surrounded in a place you can't get out of, know there's a door. There's no place Satan can put you that you can't get out of. That universal access code, nevertheless. Nevertheless. You see, you hold all the keys. You hold all the cards. The devil's never going to tell you that there's one word that will instantly make God's door of deliverance show up in your life. He's never going to tell you that you have the authority to say, nevertheless. And you can say it calmly, nevertheless. Nevertheless means every fact, every opinion, every piece of information, every bit of the case you have built up against me, 
and overwhelmed me. I now diminish it. I immobilize it. I take it down. It's nothing by my choice of what's on the other side of this word. Nevertheless, I choose. I make the decision. The devil can't. He doesn't have that authority, but you do. The Lord knows those that are his. And so when he has you in that place, hemmed in, and he says, you can't go in. I've got you. You're in captivity. You, you can't get out of this. You can't get back to your joy. You can't get back to your freedom. You can't get your prayer life back. You can't get back to the place you once were at when you were in church and, and, uh, and excited. You've overshot the mark. You can't get in. You're barred. Pull out the nevertheless and know Jesus knows me. What do you mean I can't get in? Jesus, step aside. Step aside. I'm moving in. He knows me. This isn't about what I know. This is about what he knows. The reason what I know is powerful is because he's on the other side of that knowing, knowing me. Somebody say, praise God. Oh, Lord, just let that sink in. Oh, Father, right now, just let the Holy Ghost open up our thoughts. I know that he knows me. I know that he knows me. Oh, I may not know all this stuff that you're talking about out in the world, but I know that he knows me. And I know that Satan trembles in absolute terror that you're going to whip out that word. Nevertheless, because the minute you do, guess what's going to show up in your life? Guess what's going to show up in that miserable dark den that Satan has hemmed you into? The foundation of God that stands sure. The light of truth. Hallelujah. It is your right to access liberty, life, and freedom. He knows me. I'm going in. Close your Bibles. How many of you want to go in this morning? He knows me, I'm going in. Hallelujah.